Hey everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we're joined by Rare Volumes co-founder and creative director, Jonathan Kim, who joins us this week to share the story of starting his company, the impact his amazing supportive wife has had on his career, and managing the tricky territory of the work-life balance that we all face. We dig into some really big topics throughout the episode, including what Jonathan hopes to achieve in his legacy and what design means to him along with his goals in life. This is a really special episode, everyone, so sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 145 with Jonathan Kim. So thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I know it's been, um, as we mentioned, there's quite a bit of back and forth until we were able to get aligned just to do how, with how busy we both are. Um, but yeah, thanks first and foremost. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. I came about your work, I don't know, randomly. Uh, I think it was just browsing the web randomly looking for something. And then I saw something that I think it was (laughs) some of your like, Call of Duty interactive trailers or something like that. Oh something, yeah, yeah, something yeah. From there, something from that, and um, it was just incredibly striking. And for me, it's like um, I can, yeah. There's, there's when work speaks to you, it's kind of hard to silence it, you know. So sure. um, yeah, so thank you for doing that because it was really inspirational to me. I, I love when I see great designs or really beautifully in, implemented um, film or whatever it might be because it just continues that spiral you know it gets sure. me inspired and gets me going so that was really beautiful and uh so i just wanted to thank you for that because um yeah that's what fuels me other artists feel me personally so um it's just super inspiring and it had like these like these nice pieces from other artists and designers that i love but it was also very much your own your own piece which i thought was really cool so so thank you so say thanks no likewise man i mean i think especially for that project because it was a pretty dense project with I think four different distinct deliverables. Um, I really did take the time to, as you said, just kind of do my own research and go to, um, I guess people that I look to for design inspiration. Um, and obviously, I mean, I think you said it well, where it's like you don't actively go out looking for person A or person B, but once you kind of fall into that, you know, creative hole of kind of, whether it's Pinterest or, or random sites, you kind of land on designs and, or, or graphics. And it always kind of, in a weird way, for me, is a lot of Danny Young's work. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can tell. It ends, up, it ends up being like, oh, well, of course he did that. Or um, even a lot of graphic designers that I, I tend to kind of um, reference a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think anybody that's saying that they're not inspired by another artist is just lying to us. So I, I believe sure. that you know, all art is somewhat inspired by something because we retain a lot in our subconscious. I don't know if you agree with that, but for me, I do. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and whether if you have the uh, computer with the screen and the internet, then you're going to have, you know, a lot of permutations between your mind and, and what you like. And you might go off, you know, years from now and then create something and then be like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, that's just like that one thing back there. It's, kind of like uh oozes its way out without you knowing too even so i think coming to terms with that and and, and naming your references and your inspirations i think that's a good thing it's like coming to good terms with that so yeah it's also understanding i guess the difference between art and design right because i mean with design it's nothing nothing's really new under the sun 
which is a good thing. I mean, there's solid design principles, graphic principles, but then I think as, as like motion designers, we get to take the best of that and marry it with the more artful and add a layer that is unique yeah. to yourself. I think that's kind of the formula that I constantly keep going back to um, with design and art. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I think that kind of makes a great statement about uh, your work because I feel like your work is a really strong balance between design fundamentals, but also these really beautiful little artistic um, vignettes, if that, if I, that, if that sounds yeah, right. Thanks, so yeah. no, it's really beautiful. I mean, the thing that when you make style frames and you build these things, like for me, at least when you're doing these things, you, you want each frame to stand alone as a piece of art, you know, even if it's in between sure. frames, you know, or, totally. you know, like your motion and everything else that comes about. I learned that from, you know, the amazing people at prologue when I was there. So, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't the thing that they taught me necessarily, like make that a piece of art. It's just <clears throat> seeing the, the amazing work being created by those awesome people. Sure. Just sure. seeing like the level of work, you know, you, you're not sure. Sometimes it's always funny. You don't know. That's what, that's one thing I love about the internet is, is with art, you are never aware of just how good it is until mm. like you see other people. And I think that, you know, being here in this generation and being able to make things it's so so crazy it's it's there's so much amazing art being created on a daily basis and um for me it's just it's like hard to not be inspired and just completely enthralled by just how beautiful there's just so much good stuff being made you know so (laughs) yeah yeah no it's really cool no i really dig it and that and that's cool I, i mean i think naming your your references is really key. I try to myself all the time. You know, I think that frees you from that grasp, you know, that's at least sure, what I do. Sure. It allows you to go off and actually go and do your own thing, I think too. So, um, yeah. And it's, it's also like, it's also that student mentality, right? Or when you're in school, it's less about originality and more just about like making cool stuff and learning. Yeah. And in a lot of ways you could only do that with, along alongside your peers or, or your mentors so yeah i think it's kind of keeping that kind of pure approach to the work that you do and it also helps it you know it less pressure too so i think that's definitely a big part of it as well yeah no definitely absolutely you talk about school and stuff did you attend a college or school yeah sort? yeah actually it's a funny story i think in a lot of ways it did kind of shape the way I approach work now. Um, I sort of fell into art school. Um, I went to Otis in LA. Hmm. Um, and it, it was, it was interesting because I, I had not planned on going to design school in any way. I thought I was uh, going to be a professional performer, like a back dancer, actually. <laughs> like a what? Like a back dancer. I, I used to dance throughout high school and perform and, and choreograph. Okay. Uh, and that's, I would, that took up most of my teen years. And I thought, you know, being as young and naive as I was, that I could make a fine living just having fun dancing and choreographing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a lot of friends that do that. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing. But um, for me, uh, by the time I hit 18, as I was graduating high school, um, I kind of had to make a decision where uh, I was like, am I going to pursue this full time as a career path to be a choreographer or um, do I take this other path, which was design and art, which was always something that I, I kind of grew up loving, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up drawing, growing up um, 
just being entranced by, by animation and, and just design. Um, I didn't even know what that even meant. I think a lot of us that are kind of drawn into this industry growing up, we don't, we can't put words to what we, what it is that's inside of us that draws us to visuals, right? But it, it was design. That's kind of what pulled me to art school. Hmm. Um, but that said, I mean, again, as I started my foundation year, I had no idea what I would specialize in. There was, uh, you know, that back then Otis had a great fashion program. I didn't know, I know I didn't want to do that. Um, I was trying to choose between illustration, um, communication arts and motion graphics, which was at its infancy back then. Cause that was like what, 2001 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it had been going on for a while, but it, I, I believe Otis, it was the first art school to offer that as a program. Um, and I think what made me fall in love with motion in particular, I remember being in, in the motion lab and just, uh, back then they had a, a TV kind of mounted on the wall playing like demo reels, uh, of the previous graduating year. And, uh, that was really my introduction, raw introduction to motion design where I would see type and, and graphics and, and images just kind of in motion, right. Which was insane for me because, uh, even then on TV or broadcast, there wasn't really much, you know, when it comes to high end motion design. Um, and that's when I kind of put two and two together. I was like, yeah, my love for design and art plus my kind of interest in movement, right. As a dancer. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of triggered something in me, um, studying motion design. And by the time I hit my third year, um, I took a little break to travel a bit. And when I got back, realized that um, I didn't have enough money to afford my fourth year. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and even now, I mean, I, I talk to students now, and it's it's crazy how prices have skyrocketed even compared to when I was going to art school. Hmm. Um, and I thought it was expensive then. So um, I had a long talk with my parents, and it was hard for me. But um, I decided to just drop out and go straight into the working field. Hmm. Uh, but in a weird way, what that did for me um, was put in me this kind of mentality where it's like, right, I couldn't finish my fourth year of school, so let's try to, you know, take this approach of, of work almost as an education. Yeah. Right. Because I had goals for myself in my fourth year. I wanted to learn some authority. I wanted to take more typography classes and all those things I felt were kind of stripped away from me. Mm. Uh, so I kind of made it a point to um, be a little more strategic about how I entered into the working field hmm. um, so that I could partner up and, you know, learn under these people that I knew would round me out as a designer and a creator. Mm, apprenticeships. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Paid exactly. apprenticeships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Same thing here. Yeah. 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 You get the better. I think you get the best education when it's applicable and you get it from the source. Sure. Because nothing really beats that, honestly. Uh, you can't really pay for that. It's just really, it's just that experience, you know? And sometimes those experiences are just untouchable. You know? Sure. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's our art school is quite unique. It's it's changed a lot, I think, for designers and artists alike. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many resources now that makes it quite interesting. I don't know how I would feel if I was in... Um, uh, like an institution or college nowadays. I yeah. don't know how I would approach this stuff because it's got to be pretty, um, pretty crazy, you know, just. To, and so. also, like, I, I see what you're doing with, 
with North Square. And I think it's amazing. And I think it's very timely because to your point, like when I was going to Otis, when art school, it was a very different time for motion design. Um, yeah. But then as I started uh, mentoring younger designers and artists, it, they were having a hard time because a lot of, again, not to knock on design schools, I, I you know, much respect, but a lot of times many of the students almost graduate with a sense of entitlement <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, hey, um, I see all these guys jamming out, making amazing designs and, and um, work. Um, and I went to the same school that they went to and I'm going to graduate and charge X amount of dollars a day and expect to get treated at that level. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously, it, that's a very extreme example, but I find myself as a director when I'm kind of um, leading teams with some juniors to kind of... Uh, give them that reality check in the nicest way possible. So like, Hey, like this is still, you should consider the school. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. That's a good way of looking at it too. Um, yeah. because yeah, it's, it's a humbling thing, right? I think as, sure. a, as an artist, from my mind, you you go off and you go and create your, your work and your work becomes you and it becomes an ego thing because mm-hmm. when you do that, when your art becomes you, it becomes an ego thing no matter what you are, <laughs> because that's just kind of how it happens. Sure. There, there's a healthy way. I believe to, I'm reading this oh, yeah, book called, totally. uh, ego is the enemy. It's a pretty interesting book. Oh. Yeah. It's interesting. You might like it. I'm not sure, but I love, I love reading books. I read at least one or two, um, a month, sometimes a week. Cause I just consume a lot of information, but, um, it's a really interesting book, but it's what I'm getting at though. I think it's quite interesting is when you go off and make your work and your work becomes you, it's really hard to gauge, um, socially where you fit. And sure. it's interesting is I find that the ones that are confident lack the skill, but they, they, mm-hmm. but they're better with the confidence. And then the ones that are like super skilled, they lack that confidence and it's quite, it's quite ironic what happens with that and how funny, um, that becomes because of what a conundrum that is. That means that sure. there's just a lot of really amazing artists that are quite quiet, you know, whereas <laughs> there's a bunch that are not so good and they're very loud, you know? So, um, but yeah, I think getting, getting that reality check is never good and fun, but it's part of the process too. And just being, just being aware of, um, your place in the marketplace and all that kind of stuff too. You mentioned yeah. directing. So you do is what your position now, like where, what are you doing now? What gets you excited now? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, as of January, 2015, uh, my partners and I started a design studio, um, here in New York and, you know, uh, I wouldn't ever build myself as a director in the traditional sense. Um, but more uh, as a as a designer, as a creative director, as I'm leading projects here within the studio, um, that that flavor of directing. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. That's cool. Thanks, New, New York's a, a whole different monster. Why did you pick New York? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. Uh, so we'll have to backtrack a little bit then. Uh, sure. So yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, um, grew up really just passionate about art design and dance. Um, and as I fell into motion design, it was my, my love for it is still very, very deep. I love it passionately. Uh, and right around 2010, um, got married. We were planning, we bought a home, um, a lot of big life changes. Yeah. Um, 
but then you know started questioning like you know what's what is my calling as a designer is it to you know live and and retire um as a traditional motion designer director or is it um, going into the directing realm or 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 what is it um and at that time um i got a call from a good friend who had moved to south korea to um be a director in this large interactive company um, and he was like hey we're creating this massive interactive experience for the world expo in shanghai um which is pretty massive and he invited me to fly over and kind of help him art direct the entire um you know user journey for about two three months um, and what that entailed was uh, if you're familiar with how world expos work each world Expo ha- happens every four years, and each nation that participates has their own pavilion, almost like a stadium. Mm. Um, and within the stadium is pretty much bragging rights, right? You can kind of show off the best and the brightest, and, and when it comes to technology, sciences, art, design. Um, so for that year, uh, the South Korean pavilion, which was this massive, it, it was huge, um, they wanted to create um, a spiraling staircase that kind of it takes you all the way up to the top of the pavilion and lined along the side of the stairs would be fully interactive walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you take the staircase all the way to the top, you would kind of, you pre- would pretty much learn the history and the story of South Korea and also learn about the new and innovative things that they're up to. Right. Um, so a lot of motion graphics, a lot of, uh, interactive timeline design, um, and it sounds really exciting. And for the first time they're like, Hey, usually we tap, web designers and web developers for this, but we think interactive technology has gotten to a point where we could bring some of your aesthetic from the motion design realm to really blow this out. Um, and I was like, man, it sounds crazy. And I, I don't know half the things you're talking about, but I'll do it. Hmm. Uh, awesome. And that really just opened my eyes, not to um, the interactive industry, but the potential of the interactive industry in the future and what it means for motion design. Yeah, it's huge. It's like an, no, a yeah. huge untapped source that people, I think people are, um, they're congregating in areas that are already oversaturated. But if you use your oh, imagination a little bit and yeah. create your own jobs, basically. Yeah. That was it. I mean, and that was back in 2010. And that kind of planted a seed in me to, as you mentioned, start looking at that untapped space. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a wide ocean. And as you mentioned right now, a lot of people are congregating and hoarding into smaller facets of it because that's all we know and that's all that's kind of in the media right whether it be ar or vr or web experiences but um if we as designers kind of open our eyes a little bit wider to kind of what else is happening out there and see what's happening in the adjacent possible you see that touchscreen technology is really blowing up you see that more and more companies and brands are needing um you know new experiences in the retail space. You see that the exhibit space is really blowing up yeah. and open their eyes to the type of design flavor that we bring to storytelling. So yeah. there's a lot of untapped space. And long story short, that's kind of the area where my company, River Volume, we're kind of putting all our focus into. Awesome. That's really cool, man. That's cool. And you're like literally living the American dream by doing this stuff, inventing <laughs> your inventing your own career and 
trying and testing out other things and taking risks and stuff. I mean, that's awesome. As we mentioned, I think that is definitely it. You can, the thing that's so beautiful about the age that we live in is that we, we are able to create our own, um, our own careers. Basically we can manifest them, which I think is really fascinating because it's changed quite a bit. I think even sounds like from when you started too, and just, um, the overall, just, the, the market itself, um, the, the desire and demand and, and, and need mm. for, um, a, a good creative eye. I mean, it's, a, that's never gone out of style really. There's always been people oh. in need of helping, you know, be, being helped with their brand or their message or whatever album cover or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole new realm, especially when we're getting into the, the next age of AR VR realm too. Sure. That's, that's some yeah. stuff that I imagine you get into as well. The, the ultra yeah. reality, virtual reality and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's funny because a lot of, again, as much as we are kind of figuring it out, our clients are figuring it out as well. So many times we'll get calls, you know, it's like, hey, I heard you guys are a design studio with an eye towards technology and interactive. Yes, we are. That would mean you guys do VR, correct? And that the, it's always funny because um, yes and no. Uh, our focus is more in the physical space. Mm-hmm. Um but um, VR is something that we do entertain because many times a client would throw that out there because that's what they think they need. Sure. Uh, yeah. Right. But then once you hear them out, you realize that, oh, you're just reacting to something that you heard from this client about a competitor who did this in VR and you're just kind of spitting that back out at me. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of times it's kind of our jobs as designers too, to kind of question that brief and hear them out and give them creative solutions, Hmm. uh, which a lot of times is not what they had originally thought they needed. Yeah. Good point. How do you navigate those waters without treading on like insulting the person? Cause that can (laughs) always be difficult too. Right. I mean, I have the same thing where a lot of times they'll reach out and like, Oh, we just, we saw your stuff and we want this. And then I go, well, you guys aren't that. So you don't want that, right. you know, and sure. I'll, I'll do sure. my best to give you what you're asking for. But at the end of the day, you're not going to want this, you know? So, um, I think the best way to approach, I mean, uh, to kind of turn the tables a bit, a lot of times we complain when clients are like, Hey, I don't like that. Cool. That's fine. Then what do you like? Eh, I don't know. So I think, an answer to your question would be, um, yes, if someone comes up to you with a brief or an ask and you know as a designer, as a creative, they're coming to you for your opinion, then if you disagree with them, you better have an answer. Yeah. Right? Not just not only disagree, but say, hey, here's my perspective on why that, that may not be correct. And it's up to them to hear you out, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And I guess that just comes down to good communication and, and being, um, being okay with just how things go, I guess, and being okay with like the discomfort of odd situations, but at the same time communicating what you need. I think that's one thing that, um, was a revelation for me as a designer was just mm-hmm. being able to have the confidence to communicate what I wanted to do, but, right, but not, right. in, but not insulting though. That's a, there's right. a thin line between that too. So and cause you don't want that, you know, they're just asking and for the most part. I mean, people, I don't know what it is, but people, when, when it becomes a company, they, they're like, Oh, it's just a company. It's like, no, this, <laughs> it's a bunch of people. That's all it really is. It's a congregated <laughs> group of people that have a similar goal. So as right. evil as that might seem and, you know, but at the same time, it really isn't because 
if they're just people and you're just having to help communicate with them? No, you know, that's, that, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. There's one story that, um, brings to mind i was so before first before uh, starting my company i spent about two years at a proper digital agency and that was also a very strategic move on my part um i know a lot of people in in our industry when they hear agency they, they completely just kind of eh, dial out <laughs> but uh, yeah. again as i mentioned for both uh, for all my partners and i we kind of made it a conscious decision to kind of uh, round out our creative expertise. And I spent about two years at a really, really savvy digital agency where that's funny enough, that's where I made all the work that you see on my portfolio hmm. uh, when it comes to Call of Duty and ANA and a lot of the Pepsi work that was all done at Firstborn. Hmm. Um, and I remember when I got there, it was there was an unknown as to like, what am I doing right now? Am I selling out? Am I, what am I in for? I, de- I definitely had my, um, to-do list for the next two, three years as I'm kind of serving this agency, mm-hmm. but it's still really scary. But one of the first days I got there, I remember, what, I'm not sure which project it, it was, but it was one of your projects that I'd launched and half the creatives at the agency were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, right? So you see all these fanboys almost that are just as kind of in tune to the design industry mm. and what's going on, but many times looking from the outside in, it's hard to see and understand that these guys are all people as well and yeah. designers and people that kind of are into the same thing that, that you're into probably. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's true. You know, I think that the agency world does have a bad rap for many reasons because of just kind of how the interaction works between creatives and that kind of stuff. It gets really easily, oh, totally. um, you yeah. know, like, a lot of artists will take the victim route, which makes sense. And I've complained about the agency world just because of how f- furious it can be and how like yeah, we all destructive have. it can be um, for the creative world. But at the same time, it's a, definitely a part of it. It's a, it's an interesting conundrum because like, as you mentioned, it's true. It's like there are, they are just humans just like us. And um, it's not like the best thing to just kind of dis- discard that. But at the same time, um, I think all in all, it's mostly just about people being able to understand <coughs> how to respect themselves and how oh, to yeah. say no if they don't want to do something. But that's interesting that you did that strategic ploy because that's how I did it too. It wasn't a ploy basically for me, but it was just like, sure, um, you know, getting your, you know, getting your your education and and oh, learning okay. and getting that time to really understand yourself and what you're doing and all that kind of stuff. So, and yeah. what better time to do that than under, you know, an, the umbrella of a, of a place. And that's kind of what mimics the, 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 the repetition of learning from the mm. past is, um, you know, you would, if you wanted to, if you lived in a small town and you wanted to become a blacksmith or something, you would head down to wherever the blacksmith master was. And then you would basically, commit yourself to working with that person for seven years. Usually <laughs> that's oh, it's a yeah, lot. Yeah. The time was much slower than it is now. And yeah. they would, they would um, typically house you and, 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 you know, take care of you, but you would dedicate, you would give them your time. And, and then once the seven years comes up, you would either yeah. continue the, uh, the, the company or the, the 
place or you would carry on and create your own, you know, and then have your sure. own thing. So uh, I think now what it's happening is that people will go to school for a couple of years and then they'll jump out and create their own company and then it creates mm-hmm. this oversaturation. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting, you know, and, and then what you get is you get like this spun off repetitive oh, yeah. work that happens all the time. And um, I, I can't blame them. It's just like they're just trying to survive just like everybody else. You know, it's just it's yeah, a, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I, I love looking at it as a social conundrum, you know, because that's what it, it is to me. Yeah. Um, from, and it's from like and for me, too. And, and my wife would always <laughs> kind of challenge me on this. But I am the last person that would have ever thought would start my own company hmm. um, because I, was, I always knew from the get-go that I know what I do well I know I know what I am passionate about which is design and um, and its application across just different platforms and mediums right yeah uh, and I also knew what I was not good at right which hmm. is uh, the numbers game and the business end of things so I did see a lot of my peers and friends kind of um, you know, still green from school, jumping into the entrepreneurial world and just being completely, you know, beaten down and, and scarred by that. And, I, and seeing that, I was like, hey, you know, I got a good thing going. Uh, let's write this out. But it was, a lot of ways, it was, it was my wife that was like, hey, she saw something in me that um, she knew was untapped when it came to, um, uh, you know, passion that I had and seeing kind of what's potential out in this world and how I could affect it. Mm-hmm. Um, also seeing my passion for not just design, but, you know, interactive work and excited about the future and what that holds. And, and she really started rooting for me in a lot of ways. And that's part of the reason why it was not that hard to uproot my whole family and move East because I had her support. Mm, yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, as soon as I got here, that week before I even started my new job is when I met my uh, future partners that I am partners with now. Awesome. There you go. Yeah, this it's said that behind every powerful person is a powerful spouse, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like you I mean the saying is like behind every, you know, strong man is a strong woman. Yeah. It, but it goes both ways obviously because it's a sure, sure. it's a duality. And that's that's proof that um like a great partner can really help, you know, uh, have the same thing as well. Like my wife is very supportive and we, yeah. we support each other, you know, and we make each other better people. And yeah. I think that's really the sign of a, of a healthy relationship. Um, you know, I, I, my friend Anthony Jones said it and I feel like it's couldn't be more true is that he felt that most people on, on their own are pretty good people, but <laughs> when you combine them with the wrong type of person, they become horrible people. And yeah, <laughs> I couldn't be more true. I think for lots of people, probably people listening as well, that mm. if you're in a bad relationship, it's just like, it's just all it does is it reflects all the bad things about yourself, you know? <laughs> um, but if you can find somebody that is mature and can counter you and support you and help you grow and stuff, um, you'll know when it's there yeah. because you're not going to want to let them go. That's the feeling, you know, um, oh, because it sure. just how well, how strong you both make each other and how well you can survive together. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. It's cool that it's cool to know that. And it's also really good to hear how humble you are because I feel that the best artists out there are the most humble ones aware that there is this thing called ego and these, you know, <laughs> that, that, that they don't just, you know, wake up and just, create brilliancy you know like it's interesting yeah it's 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 yeah. interesting world when you're talking about design as you mentioned earlier 
you said like it's all known, but then with the art, it's always unknown. And I think the unknown is it has, it comes a lot with like, you know, the ego and you have artists saying that this right. is art and this isn't, how do you define it for yourself? Yeah. Like what's, what's the, how do you, how do you kind of go like when a piece is done or a frame is done or a piece of motion is done, how do you define it? And is, is a piece of motion ever done? That's a tough one. Um, I mean, us being in the business world, you know, what we do is a business, right? I mean, it is passion and we're lucky to do it. We're lucky to do something that we're passionate about and continue to wake up every morning and feel passionate about. And that happens to um, feed our families and and allows us to uh, live a healthy and successful life. But at the end of the day, um, it is a business that means there are timelines, right? So at the end of the day, I, I never think any of my pieces are done. Right? And I always look back on pieces and never think that it was 100% complete. Um, I'm sure people, a lot of people watching our work or my work will beg to differ and maybe a lot of people will agree. Um, but I think I'm just twisted in the head that way because I have that student mentality where nothing is good enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's true though. Where, <laughs> no, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, I feel like it's a curse where it's like nothing's ever done. And sometimes a lot of my my team, I, I try to be as, as soft as possible and as, as supportive as possible, but they have a good laugh sometimes. And people that have worked with me for a long time, they know when I get to that point where it's just like, Jonathan, it looks great, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm always faced with that, I feel, especially towards the end of a project. Um, and then I see someone else that kind of, you know, puts out work. I'm just like, damn it. Why didn't I try that? Or <laughs> it just looks so much better than mine. But, uh, it's good though. That competitive, yeah. that competitive, yeah. um, I think as long as it doesn't become a detriment, it's good. You know, sure. it's like that competitive nature is what <laughs> you go make something. I'll see it. I'll be like, that's beautiful. Okay. Now I need to step it up to that level, not to compete with well, you, but yeah. just because like, well, I want to still play in that arena, you know? And I think everybody else that's seeing this kind of stuff as well and, and understanding it, you know, I think it's, it really comes to like, um, as an artist, your work is never done. It's just do really is, you know? And then when you're really, when you're inter when you're connecting the two, the passion and the actual craft of making art, I feel like nothing's ever, um, it's ever done really, you know, it never is. And there's a beauty to that. I think though, as well, is that as, as long as you can deal with that, I mean, we were talking about the film, the film I released recently, it's like, (laughs) there's so many Mm. things I want to change and fix about that, but Mm. just can't, it's due. And that's when it was due. So it just has to get done and move out. But I think that there's something really powerful about that. Um, just having to get things done. Uh, I think if we, if, I mean, if you're, I'm being completely honest, if I didn't, do that, then I don't think any of my projects would really, for no, since it totally. would be a bad habit since I was young and you'd be a frustrated artist because you wouldn't have anything to show for your efforts, you know? So yeah. that's a, it's, it's a good thing. Again, going back to the balance that we, we, as the types of designers and artists we are, get to play in both worlds in yeah. design and art. And with straight and narrow design, there is a finality to it. You know, there are principles that you follow yeah. And once you follow those principles and you have your aesthetic taste, it is good design. But then you add a layer of, of, of motion and art to it that we get to play with. And that's the other side of the coin. Um, so it, it's, although it is frustrating at times, um, I love it. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't do, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't do without it, you know? So totally. it'd, it'd be yeah. really cool to have you and your wife on sometime if you ever, <laughs> I don't know if that's like <laughs> approaching too much, but it'd be, oh. uh, I mean, I've been trying to get, um, Tim, yeah. Tim Miller and Jen Miller, they run blur together. I've been trying to get them oh, on for sweet. quite some yeah. time. Yeah. Um, or even my wife, I don't, she's quite shy from doing this kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, but, um, it'd just be really cool because I feel that that's a missing, a, that's a big missing component. Um, I think from all this stuff as well, like a big part of it's a a different perspective. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, a lot of times the outside world just sees you as who you are to the outside world. But as you mentioned before, on the flip side, kind of your family is kind of what makes you who you are in a lot of ways. Uh, And it would be an interesting episode. Yeah. yeah, it would be interesting. It just like being, cause we know we care about stuff that probably, I don't know, point zero 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 one percent of the people <laughs> population does care about whether they know it or not. I mean, but we're like, wow, look at that film grain or like, you know, like that, that grade on that one piece of type or, or that type yeah. is too sharp. It doesn't get blurred or whatever silliness, you know, um, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, but most people don't, you know, and, um, but at the same time, they're, they're living in an altered reality, which we have to mean with as well which i find to be really fun you know really interesting too even, even my my wife because i heard she actually studied in london as a, a graphic designer mm. right so she's all about functionality and just design and i remember kind of when we were dating i'd you know kind of shine myself in the best light and show off some of my work that i've been up to look at all these you know lost frames for nike and this and that and look at this piece i just you know, spent the past month creating with not with no sleep. By the end of each thirty second spot, she's just like, "So what's the point?" <laughs> you know? <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, you know? it's true and, though. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like that's that's what I also love about our relationship, where it's like that's the part that I you know I need to ask myself too. Of course, like there is a point to it, but looking at the long term, the long marathon that we're running as creatives. Um, I do find myself realizing that the things that were important to me five years ago aren't as important to me now, even at like a design level. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the excitement. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times you look back on work and, and perspectives as an artist from previous phases of your life and, and see how much you've grown. Yeah. Student of the craft. And that's part of the fun. Yeah, I know it definitely. And that is all part of it. You are a student of the craft and you always will be. And yeah, it's always um, sobering <laughs> when the outside world goes, yeah, whatever. Like, what is that? Like, right, right. Uh, because a lot of it <laughs> is all perception, you know, and sure. all that perception of just putting yourself so deeply into what you do. Um, yeah. it shifts the value. It makes you feel that what you're doing is more valuable than anything yeah. else. And that, you know, oh. you're practically saving lives, you know, <laughs> and yeah, that false reality, it can really, um, take you away. But I feel like it's important to, to value your work that way. I, I yeah. at least for me, I think that if you don't, um, then you just end up making mediocre work, you know? Sure. So, um, which I, I think, which, which is really cool. Like I love seeing the way you're interpreting, <coughs> what would normal be normally be like pretty simple client work, not just not to be demeaning in any capacity, but no, the no, way you no. elevate it, I think yeah. is really where your strength shines so full because I think a lot of times, um, if you're hit with like a brief of, you know, okay, we have this thing and it's quite, um, simple, but then you're able yeah. to like reskin it in a really beautiful way. Um, and I think that, that that's a really significant power, 
um, of just opening up the mind's eye to the possibilities of other things. And that's a really great potential. And if there's any big piece of like, um, praise I can give you, that's one of the biggest for me, because that shows the best design is when you can elevate something that wasn't meant to, or wasn't intended to, or would normally mm-hmm. just be like, kind of, ah, whatever, you know, like <laughs> it's that thing. No, yeah. So, yeah. And again, thanks. And that was part of, again, going back to my decision to, um, enter into the agency world um, was to kind of challenge that because I found myself um, I spent many years kind of as a freelancer and full-time art director in the motion industry and it really really sucks when the agency kind of runs circles around you and kind of gets back to you yeah. with what was supposed to be uh, you know a gazillion dollar project with two months time to execute <laughs> turns into a fraction of the price with two weeks to execute because of their kind of process with their client. So, yeah, I hate that. It's usually just, um, I always find it being a problem with them and their ability to actually communicate. Yeah. I try to remove that at all times because I don't, I don't like to have to sit and work, um, you know, two days straight because somebody doesn't know how to send an email, right. You know, like that stuff drives me nuts. That's why I went off and just did my own thing because, um, you know, good for them, whatever they want to do, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to be losing sleep because somebody doesn't know how to do their job. It's frustrating, you know, so, um, because I'd rather have that control. So, and that's what I went off and did my own thing because it should drive me crazy. Like, man, man. what am I doing this for, for you and for you and your lack of ability? (laughs) Like, no, thanks. (laughs) But but there are some people that do a killer job of that. And those are the people that you often latch onto and like, Hey, let's go off and start our own thing because you obviously know what you're doing, you know? (laughs) So yeah, I think that's, you hit on a good point. Cause I mean, for, you know, a lot of listeners, it, it is kind of listening from, that perspective as an artist and a lot of times there is that what's behind a curtain in the agency world um, because there's something that's happening there and it's it's a massive industry and it's kind of changing obviously in the traditional sense and going more to the digital social realm but it's still there so part of the i guess charge that i had was all right if i'm going to round my you know, creative toolkit out for the next two years before I embark on this massive journey to start with volume, um, then what is it going to be? And as I entered into, you know, this digital world or agency world, um, I all of a sudden got put into a position where it's like, all right, you as the creative director, you're partnered with this other awesome creative who happens to be a writer and this other creative who happens to be a traditional, you know, web designer. And then there's Jonathan with a background in design and animation. So all of a sudden when Pepsi or, or call of duty comes knocking for a massive brand awareness campaign or something else, just as ridiculous, they get to throw me into that pitch and I'm not showing any design frames. I'm not showing any concepts, but what I'm saying is, Hey, like if you trust me with this, brief i will deliver this type of work with you Hmm. and none of that bs so as you mentioned it kind of takes away that layer of an extra creative or an extra product manager that has no idea yeah the client needs and what type of tool set you could bring to the table for this specific project yeah Uh, and that type of dynamic actually worked out really well for that agency that i was a part of and that's kind of what helped me as you mentioned take these briefs that were you know from face value not as exciting yeah but 
um, serve the client by giving them a creative solution that works for them, but also serve myself as a designer, as an artist, and the community that smart. I respect so much to create work that shines. Yeah, it's smart. You know, I think one thing about making great work is you got to think about um, you got to think about the now and then the then and then the when. You know, you have to think about the future. Unfortunately, like it's good to work in the the now, but if you're trying to create longevity, I think it's brilliant what you're doing and how you managed to tool it so that it worked in your favor. Because a lot of times people will just let that machine just pile or pile like right over them because it's a very fast, hard moving machine. So, um, but (laughs) it's really awesome. It's cool. And being able to kind of navigate those waters is great. It sounds like you're really great at communicating as well. So that really helps a ton and directing. All I said from my, my evaluation from directing over the years is just that Mm. your it's your ability to facilitate the the, the best potential of of your teammates. That's all it really is. It's communicating. And, and inspiring and motivating. Um, and I think you're, you know, as a director, you're defined by your ability to, to do that, you know, and I think, um, or to have your vision come through, you know, so sure. um, I, I don't know if, if you, have, if you, you've worked on films and stuff, right? Um, let's see. I don't think so. No, but games and <laughs> stuff, they, I mean, they have yes. similar dynamics and stuff. Games, so. um, I did, I did some, work for documentaries when I first started. Um, and it's, it's not something that I stray away from at all. It's just, um, again, I, I, I love it. It's just, I've, I've never kind of, um, gotten the chance to jam on one, but games. Yes. Awesome. What's a dream job for you? Ah, man, that's a tough one. Um, I think again, who knows what I'll say five years from now, but, um, looking at where I've been and kind of the potential of just the interactive space in the future, I think there's real opportunity for um, designers and creatives of our flavor to be more of a, I guess, take more ownership of larger initiatives. What I mean by that is uh, let's take, um, let's go back to that World Expo example, right? Um, If you look at that, the current system of how World Expo runs is they hire a high-end billionaire architect to design the pavilion for the USA. And they hire um, a series of exhibit design firms, graphic design firms, and then content design firms to execute the story of the USA pavilion mm-hmm. in the physical space. Um, and as similar to what happened in, in the digital space, what's happening now is everything that's physical space, whether it's museums or retail, everything's so media heavy that they're starting to look away from traditional creatives and more towards people that know how to tell stories in the digital sense, yeah. uh, whether that's filmmakers or motion graphics artists. And these guys um, are getting charged with that task of, hey, direct this whole pavilion journey. A good example is the Olympic opening show, I think a few years back from London, it was Danny Boyle that directed the whole opening sequence, which mm-hmm. was part media, part, you know, pyrotechnics, part live musical, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like, again, looking at the adjacent possible of people with our skill set and what's happening in the future. I think ideally I would love to sometime in the next four or five years do do something of that scale where I get to not just direct designers, but um, designers of different flavors for a common goal, whether it's an exhibit or an expo or, or who knows. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. You never know where you're going to go with these things, right? There might be something that comes up that you didn't really think about, but just kind of lands in your lap. And I think I, I always mentioned that a brilliant idea is just right in front of us all. We just have to know how to see it and utilize it, you know? And, sure. and then it's also one thing to have an idea, but it's a whole nother one to actually utilize it and make it uh, tangible and usable and all that kind of stuff, as you know, because you're a practitioner as well. So, cause it mm. seems like you're very hands-on still, and you've got, you've been taught to be a craftsman as well, like understanding the, yeah. the nuances of your art. How important is it to you to be able to understand how things are made? Like, oh, you know, like export this at this, you know, like ProRes, you know, or whatever, these like, <laughs> finite details that will be overlooked if you don't know what you're doing. Um, no, uh, I, I think I think it's important. And for both, all, I mean, there's four of us and all of us, we're all hands-on. Um, Andrew and Robert, my other two partners, they're creative coders um, and they're hardcore creative coders. Um, and there, you know, Roberts, our interactive director, um, Andrew, who used to be the lead TD at places like the mill and method, he's our TD, but still very hands-on coding a lot of the design that I create mm. he into real time code while at the same time doing the client presentations and, and wrangling our team of coders and designers and animators. So it is very important. And I hope, I, I know it may be naive, but I hope that I could continue to do that as I, you know, progress in my career. You to can, to if you, that's yeah. what you want, you know? So what, what's a dream day like for you? You know, how do you navigate your busy schedule? I'm sure you're busy. So how do you manage yeah. to, to navigate that? And then yeah. how do you aim and strive for a perfect day? That's, uh, um, I, maybe I'll kind of explain to you what, and what a normal day looks like and what, and at the end, um, what it means for that day to have been successful. Perfect. Um, I guess, yeah, I wake up around six, six thirty. um, get the kids ready. Alana's two. So she stays home with mom for now. Luke is four, uh, turning five in kindergarten. So we walk to school together. Um, I uh, drop him off. I'm in the office by like eight thirty ish. I try to get in a little earlier. Um, to uh, I, I also have a lot of my artists do dailies before they leave, so I get in early, look at the dailies, and spend some time um, kind of going through a daily routine of almost inspiration. Uh, sometimes it's it's a collection of you know a few Pinterest boards with uh, design blogs and. Sometimes I read, but it's part of that, I guess, uh, craft school mentality that I've carried from 10 years ago. So I kind of protect that to kind of fuel the rest of my day. And then around 10 is usually when uh, the workday starts for us. And obviously that's a day-to-day thing. Uh, Sometimes I'm designing, sometimes I'm at meetings, sometimes I'm managing, but um, I try to protect dinner with the family. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why I try to get home to work earlier so I could get home by um, I try to get home by seven ish um, have dinner obviously that doesn't always happen with deliverables but try to as best as possible put yeah, the kids yeah. and then uh, if there's anything to do I usually open up my laptop after the kids are asleep to um, do a lot of the miscellaneous work that comes with um, running the business emails and all that yeah <laughs> 
That's awesome. It's really cool that you still are aware of the sacred time that you need to have. And we do the same thing here at the house too, because I work from home. I didn't want to spend any time commuting. I do think it would be probably beneficial to have an office, but the financial obligations that come with that, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, it's like every dollar, every dollar that you're, or every dollar that you spend is the time that you must sit at the desk, you know? And so I'm constantly aware of that. Like, okay, well that's going to cost like, you know, three weeks of work. (laughs) I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You know? (laughs) Um, um, but <laughs> there's actually, uh, quite something interesting there, but that's, that's beautiful. That's really awesome. And in, in, in that flow of that day that you've managed to kind of make and work on, um, do you find that you are content in this pattern? Is there something that you're trying to perfect and work? That's something that's uh, mm. a huge question for me and, and for, from a lot of the audience members that are listening to this is just how to navigate the work life yeah. balance and stuff. So, yeah. Um, it is again. Like we we were talk, we've touched upon mastery a little bit, right? And that's a part of it is how to master that perfect balance and that work day. Because ideally, the more successful you get as a creative, um, you kind of get busier, right? And you get more responsibilities, and then you juggle that with family. And how is that even possible? Um, yeah. So for me, again, what really really helps is. Um, both my wife and I, you know, especially her, she's such a support to me. And a lot of times it's hard for, you know, she, it was a conscious decision for her to be a stay at home mom, because that's something that uh, she's always been very passionate about. She um, had a really promising career as a project manager at, at in the field of architecture. Hmm. Um, she kind of put that on pause. And now it's like, all right, I'm going to take this block of my life uh, to kind of raise our kids until they're a certain age. But until then I want you to just, just kill it, right? Do whatever you need to do and just strive forth as far as you can. Cause both her and I, we're kind of, we grew up with a strong sense of, I guess, vision and calling mm-hmm. as designers and people on earth where it's like, we're only here for a short amount of time. <laughs> and like too many people, especially in 2016 live very selfishly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. Uh, what can I do? What can I do for me, for me, for me, higher pay, better car, better this. But at the end of the day, in the span of eternity, we're just like a speck, right? Nothing. Yeah. It's like, time is so relative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what is, what's your calling? I mean, what's your life going to be about? And because she and I see eye to eye in that sense, Mm. um, that's such a big support for me to be free of, mastery of balance between work and life Mm -hmm. and it also frees me to comfortably be like hey honey i'm not going to be home for dinner and she's like don't worry about it but also on the flip side because i know that she's so supportive i in turn want to be better yes yes. as a husband and and want to be better as a father yeah and that dynamic is something that requires a lot of faith yes it does Um, yeah and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I hope she listens to this and I want to say thanks to her for me, um, because of the work that I've seen with you is not just you, it's her as well. So yeah, that's beautiful. And it sounds like you guys, I mean, I love the way you're talking about this stuff because I feel the same way. I'm very connected to the idea that yes, it's very much, um, everybody seems to be so out for themselves and the ego and all that stuff. And it's quite sad. Um, what's going on with everything. But at the same time, if we don't lead by example and live a life that's worth living and show sure. people that it's possible to give and 
to love and to care and to be there um, as a support unit. I think it's, um, yeah, it would be a shame. It'd be a waste of our time and effort. I, I sometimes freak people out when I go into some of these meetings because I'm very direct on things. And I say, Hey guys, I'm dying right now. And so are you, we're all dying right now. And they get all weird about it. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to say it in a mean right. way. It's just literally right. our most precious commodities being wasted. So do not waste my time. You know, like oh, yeah. there's no point in wasting time if it can be avoided. So let's just get to the, where it needs to be and, and figure out what wow. we're doing, you know? So it's mostly just having to do with making something in Hollywood, you know, cause there's a whole, there's a whole thing that happens where people like to th- take your time and, and eat it up. Sure. So <laughs> I'm very cognizant have, have of you it. Seen, uh, have you read Steve jobs biography or seen the yeah, movie? <laughs> yeah. I've seen all the movies I've, I've read. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because I just randomly, you know, I had a few hours to kill uh, over the weekend and I saw the movie and I feel embarrassed for things, but it kind of struck me more than I thought it would. And why I think is that a lot embarrassing? Of, uh, because, you know, you know, my wife was like, ah, I was all right. I was like, Oh my gosh, that relationship between him and Lisa, you know, his daughter. Yeah. And I think it was more because I'm kind of going through that now, right? Where it's sure. like, I'm trying to raise kids, but I'm trying to do something that is not just starting a company, but hopefully outlasts me even. Yeah. And outlasts and doing something bigger than just design, hopefully. Uh, and in a weird way, it kind of surfaced a lot of the questions I have as a leader as a creative and as a father mm. um am i you know am i giving them enough time or enough attention and if i do that am i sacrificing creativity it's never and again, enough it's never enough never enough no. never enough because no. you are hope. connected to your kids so it's like yeah. you got giving time to them or your wife or anybody it's sure. you're not giving time to yourself you know yeah yeah, it's never enough, man. And today, <laughs> you know, it's never more difficult because of how, well, I don't know. I have no clue what it must have been like to be dealing with, you know, world, the world wars and all that kind of horrible stuff that's oh, happening. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, there's so many distractions that are eating up sure. our time and it's, it can be very easy to get lost in the, the ether of the unknown and stuff. So, but no, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think the really important thing is to be cognizant of it. I think if you're cognizant of it, I believe that's really where, um, mm-hmm. things help and develop and you can become a better person. And that's really mm-hmm. the goal. You know, if you can become a better person, that'll only help you, you know, and the world around you as well. So, uh, it's, uh, it's really beautiful. I have, um, two last questions, if that's okay with sure. you. And I, and I appreciate your complete transparency. I love it. And just your, your viewpoints on the, on life is really cool. I, it's nice. It's nice to finally meet you and talk with you. I think there's <laughs> one thing that people might not understand is that I've never met Jonathan before and we've never talked right. really outside of, I think maybe a couple of casual emails. Like I love your work, right. you know? Right. So these are always, um, for me, it's like the start of a friendship or uh, a partnership totally. or just like a communication, which is really interesting, you know? So, um, yeah, I it just, it's always something I always trip out on, you know, like, wow, we just, we just <laughs> literally just met. But, um, last two questions I have, um, are, what are your personal goals in life? This is a big one. I think this is a good segue from what you were just talking about in consideration mm-hmm. to, you know, Steve Jobs and your life and your and your company and what you're building and all that kind of stuff. But do you know <coughs> your personal goals in life if you were to unfortunately pass from this world? Um, mm-hmm. What would you leave behind and, and what, you know, would you come back as a ghost if you didn't do a certain thing, you know? so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, I, going back, I kind of, I was, uh, I was, 
raised kind of, you know, both of my parents are, are very, uh, were people of faith. My dad is a minister actually. And a lot of, when I was growing up, I was like, oh man, this is, that's like the worst thing a dad could be growing up as a teenager in the U.S. But as I grow older, as I mature, like a lot of the, the faith that he instilled in me is kind of coming to fruition in mm-hmm. the way that I approach life and, again, my short time here on this physical earth. So in a lot of ways, my goal um, and my my partner, Andrew and, and Robert and Allison, we, we talk about this a lot where it's like, yes, we want to build something that kind of in a lot of ways outlasts us. Mm. Uh, what that means is um, when I look at other companies, I have people that I really respect, right? Um, my peers, you know, people like you and Danny, but mm, when I look you. at uh, design companies even, right? So like Pentagram, that's a great example. When you think of design on its own, that is like the pinnacle of design. They've been around for what, 30, 40 years, and they're still at the top of their game in that industry. Yeah. Uh, and they're still independent, which is kudos to them. And a lot of the reason why they're doing that is because that vision of what they stand for, it's never about like, from what I see from the outside in, it's not about partnerships. It's not about like who has a stakeholder. It's all about the work, the design. Yeah. And in a funny way, I feel like in 20, 30 years, the world of design is going to change already. Motion graphics, I think it's just the beginning, you know, I, 20, yeah. 30 years from now, it's going to become even more relevant where people that have your skill set and my skill set and all everyone that's listening to this podcast, there's going to be such a large arena for that type of leadership in the design community, the film community. So my hope is that this small startup that we start with volume in this design and interactive realm but will potentially grow into something that will be looked upon as, you know, a, a model of excellence when it comes to interactive design, um, even if I'm not a part of it in mm. the future. Mm. Awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. You're so enlightened. So great. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. No, it's, a, it's, um, yeah, it's giving me some good feedback too. Yeah, this is awesome. Last question I have for you. Um, if you were to give advice to your past self, um, one key thing that you would tell your past self to, to possibly, um, allow yourself. I mean, of course you don't want to alter your past because that's what makes you, you, but if there's something that you could teach yourself from the past, um, to save you yeah. from certain, you know, heart, heart shit, heartache or something, you know, what would that yeah. be? Oh man, I think, um, as we get older as people, um, I think a, in a weird way, a sign of maturing is, seeing how little you know yeah. or, or how uh, far you've got to go. And a key sign of that is, you know how like randomly you're in the shower getting ready in the morning and you just all of a sudden think of a super embarrassing or stupid thing you did three, four years ago and you're like, dang it, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, true. And it's like, I feel like as you get older, you get quicker uh, catching yourself before you make those stupid, silly mistakes. Sure. Um, and I feel like if I were to say one thing to my past self first, it's okay to make mistakes, mm. but also don't think that you know everything because especially in our industry, I feel like people get so caught up in this little pond that we are in. Um, and you know, we get specialized in a tool, for example, or, or an aesthetic or a style. Yeah. And with that, that you mentioned it before, it becomes, you're everything, you know, and it's hard to really break out of that if you stay in it longer and longer of that kind of bubble. So yeah, 
tell myself to, you know, don't think that you know everything and always kind of explore outside of the realm of the comfortable, whether it's outside of motion design or outside of where you are. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Great advice for everybody else. I just wanted to see what you thought of that too. And I think that's a, yeah, I'm hoping everybody that's listening to this is taking notes because this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a great one. I really appreciate it. I wish you had a little bit more time. I would love to have you and your wife on sometime if that's of all an option or if interest yeah. to feel free to say no. Don't, I'm not trying to no, put you on the spot. Yeah, so. Any time, man. And again, you know, I, again, as you mentioned, this is our first real long conversation together, but um, obviously many more to come, hopefully. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank you to Jonathan for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 145, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everyone.